Amen. So back in the 1980s, Lee Akoka was a part of the commission to help refurbish the Statue of Liberty. And maybe some of you remember that time period. Well, he was chairing this committee to help refurbish the Statue of Liberty. And he writes in Newsweek some interesting donations that came his way as they tried to collect funds in order to refurbish the Statue of Liberty. And he speaks of one woman in her 80s who sent a check for $10,000. And in that check, she wrote a PS saying, uh, requesting that Akoka sends her a copy of his book. And he's laughing at this because in reality, she just donated $10,000, but her local library did not have an available copy for this book, and she didn't want to spend $19.95 at the time to be able to purchase this copy. So Akoka says that this woman is a woman after his own heart. Then he shares another story having to involve an old lady as well, 87 years old, or, or, or maybe I should not say old lady, a lady that is more advanced in her years at 87 years young, who sent $1,000 to this effort. Okoka writes that they replied to her and sent, sent her a thank you note to which he invited her to come to see the Statue of Liberty. After that thank you note came onto her door, they sent she sent $50,000 to the effort. So Akoka tries his best to get her attention and calls and tries to invite her to come and see the Statue of Liberty, but she says that she's going to be too busy cleaning up her house. Of course, she has enough money to donate $50,000, at this point $51,000, to the Statue of Liberty, but she cleans her own house. And, and, and Akoka laughs at that. And after trying many times to get her to come and visit the Statue of Liberty in and, 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 and thanks of her generous donations, she sends three more checks in, totaling $25,000, and $75,000. And Akoka ends this by saying, there's no telling where we would have been if we sent her flowers. <laughs> Amazing what a thank you and a phone call can do. Well, today we're going to be talking about this theme of generosity what it means to be a generous person. And as I had mentioned before in our, uh, before our time of prayer, oftentimes this topic can be really difficult for us to navigate. But we thought it very important. In fact, in the summer this year, when we as elders were wrestling with what do we view as a thriving discipleship lifestyle, we were almost entirely unanimous in agreeing that good disciples worship God. They put God first in everything in life. That good disciples take time to connect with one another. That good disciples take time to serve in God's mission. And of course, we believe that good disciples give. But it was here with this word of give that we all felt in this room a sense of hesitation. Not because we didn't believe that giving was important, but rather because giving is oftentimes a very contentious subject. 
Money is a difficult thing to talk about. Giving is a difficult thing to talk about. But in some ways, we need to ask ourselves, why is it difficult? If you didn't know, most marriages would consider the number one problem that marriages are faced with is not sex, it's not your mother-in-law, <laughs> rather it's the subject of finances. And I think that is because no matter whether you're young or you're old, it's hard to take something of yours and let it go. I mean, we even see this in young children, right? I have a three-year-old that I'm, I, I, I at times have to deal with in saying this word that he totally hates, and that's this word called share, <laughs> to be able to share what he has. So even from the time that we are little to the time that we get older, this concept of giving or what it means to be generous could be very difficult, but yet it is a worthwhile conversation because as I will hopefully make clear today, giving is at the heartbeat of God. It in very many ways embodies his character. So I do not want us to miss out on anything that God would have for us. And the only way that I think we can be faithful in understanding the importance of what God has for us is by understanding the full measure of it. And giving is a part of that. So in order to do that, I encourage you to open up your Bibles to Luke 21. We're going to read from verses 1 through 4 today. Now, I must admit to you guys that there were so many different scriptures that I thought about bringing up today when it came to this topic of giving because it's oftentimes a theme within scripture. But I thought Luke 21, 1 through 4 would be a good starting point for us. If you didn't know, Luke 21 takes place at a time where Jesus is in Jerusalem. In fact, where Jesus is in Jerusalem is he's at the temple of Jerusalem. Now, this is a very important temple that had been destroyed once in history and rebuilt during the time of Herod. And in fact, even today, there's a portion of that temple because it would eventually be destroyed again in 70 AD by the Romans. But there's a portion of this temple that is, has still uh, survived the retaining wall for it, and we can even show you a picture of it today. It's often called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, and people go there to even pray today at the remnants of that temple. And Jesus is here at this temple place in Jerusalem when he notices a collection being taken. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 for you right now. And it says this in Scripture. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. So what's going on? Jesus is at the temple. He sees a collection happening. And in that collection, he sees wealthy and rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And then according to my NIV version, he saw a poor widow put two very small copper coins coins. Now, if we were to stop right there, 
and if maybe we did not know this book very well and did not know that this individual, this elderly woman, gives two coins, some of your translations might say two mites, then what would we think? We would think of the rich, wealthy person as being the generous person, right? And we might even think that the widow wasn't very generous. You see, if you didn't know, and some of your translations might use the word might there, what this widow, what this widow gave was these two copper coins, or these two mites. And within Jewish culture, this was a form of currency. This was the Jewish form of currency. And a mite, or this copper coin, was cut so thin that it would oftentimes stick to the, uh, to the collection tray itself. And these mites were so low in its value that it only represented a fraction, a fraction of a fraction as far as value. It was often thought that a widow's mite was somewhere around 1 64th of a daily wage, 1 64th of a daily wage. In today's dollars, a widow's mite might be viewed as, as a penny or even less. So on the one hand, you have this wealthy individual giving gifts, and we don't know the amount that they're giving, but we can assume that it's more than a mite. And then on the other hand, we have this widow who gives this sliver of a coin, this tiny little copper piece that is so low in value that it's almost inconsequential. And this is what Jesus is witnessing in front of him. But notice how Jesus responds to this moment, because I think in his response is some deep theological truth that we will hopefully get to today. And it says this, that Jesus looked up, saw the rich putting their gift into the offering box, and then he saw the poor widow put the two small coins, and then he says this. Truly I tell you, verse 3, This poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. In some ways, this description of the widow is Very odd. I mean, mathematically, Jesus is wrong. Mathematically, the rich and wealthy gifts are of a larger sum than whatever the widow gave. You could have given 10 cents and it would have been more than what the widow gave. And yet Jesus is looking at this situation and saying that she not only gave more than one wealthy individual, but that she gave more than all of them. But yet we know that from a value perspective, that was not true. So what is Jesus talking about here? How is it that a widow giving such a small amount in the eyes of Jesus is seen as so great and so large? 
is the trick that we need to just put a couple pennies in and then that's the, that's the way to give more? I don't think so, and please don't do that. <laughs> we'll be in trouble. <laughs> There's something that we're missing in the eyes of God when it comes to this subject of giving. You see, I believe that Jesus understood a fundamental principle of giving that others lacked, which leads me to my first point for today, that giving exposes the heart. Giving exposes the heart. Giving generously is a matter of the heart, not the size of the gift. I'll say that again. Giving generously is a matter of the heart, not the size of the gift. Over and again, Scripture demonstrates that God desires people to give freely and to give what? Cheerfully. In fact, we even read that earlier on in the scripture during our time of offering. We see in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 that it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. You see, oftentimes we look at giving as a form of obligation. You know, we've probably all experienced it at some point in our life where we get a gift from somebody, maybe it's during the time of Christmas, which is approaching, and then what do, what do we end up feeling? We feel really guilty because we didn't give them a gift in return, so what do we do? We go, oh man, now I have to go get them a gift because I, I don't want to be a bad person and not give a gift back. But is that really the purpose of gift giving? To do it out of obligation? I mean, that's why we hate taxes, right? Because we feel obligated to give to the government. And if not, we're in trouble. (laughs) Giving needs to be a matter of the heart. It's why when I look at my son, and let me let you know this, my son at this point has no visible signs of artistic talent. (laughs) It's lucky if he can draw in a straight line. That, in, in many ways, is too ambitious for him. But yet, every now and then, my wife will have him do an art project. And he'll, when I come home, he'll run and he'll show me this little piece of paper. And he'll give it to me. And he does it, when I look in those little eyes, he does it with all the joy in the world. And he gives that to me. And I receive it in that Jackson Pollock-looking painting, which I don't know why people like Jackson Pollock paintings, but that Jackson Pollock-looking painting, I look at it and it warms my heart. Why? Because I know despite what the aesthetic value is in that painting, that ultimately that came from my son who loves me and thought to give me a portion of who he is expressed through that piece of paper. I think one of the reasons why giving is such an important theme within Scripture goes back to this point that I already displayed of point one, that giving exposes our hearts. 
If you're in a place where it's difficult for you to be generous, and I'm not even talking about generous towards the church, but I mean even just generous towards others through the giving of your time or even, yes, the giving of your resources, then what does that tell about you? You know, in Scripture, one of the stories that I'm reminded of when it comes to this issue of the heart, comes very early on in the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, and it's Genesis chapter 4, which tells the story of Adam and Eve's two sons, Cain and Abel. And some of you have probably heard this story before. And what happens with Cain and Abel, I think, is another reason why giving exposes the heart. You see, Cain was tasked with taking care of the fields, and Abel was tasked with taking care of the livestock, and they presented gifts to the Lord. And scripture tells us that God looked at Abel's gift with favor. And from that moment, though, Cain grew to be jealous. Why? Because he wanted his gift to be looked at with favor. Now, if I was God, the reason why I would look at it with favor is because I like beef more than I like vegetables. <laughs> and, but I think in God's economy, it had to do more with the heart of the giver. You see, I believe that Abel was giving the first fruits, the best of what he had, in order to honor the Lord in his love of God offering up what he had to him, where it would seem like Cain held back, that he gave more out of obligation. And herein lies, I think, what Jesus is trying to teach us, that you can give all the money in the world, but that if you don't give it with the right kind of heart, the right kind of posture, then it makes a very small difference in the eyes of God. It's why the early Reformation Protestants fought so hard against these bad ideas of being able to pay your ways through certain things within the church, speaking against indulgences at least. But in very many ways, getting back to the heart of, who, of, of Jesus and what he's trying to teach here in this moment is that giving exposes our hearts and Jesus could see past the rich and this poor widow and he noticed what? That this poor widow was giving all that she had. God tried to warn Cain when he gave that gift. He tried to warn Cain because he became so angry after his gift not being received as well as Abel's. And in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, The Lord came to Cain and said, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. It's a good thing that we have to give in life. 
it's a good thing that it exposes our hearts because it's one of the quickest ways that we, in some ways, can see where we are at. You know, something that amazes me, and I've experienced this, thankfully I haven't really experienced this much here at this church, but I've experienced it at other churches where someone will be reluctant to give to their own church. They'll say something like, well, I don't want to give them my money. And that was always a head scratcher for me. Because in some ways I would say, so you trust your church, your pastors, with your spiritual teachings, with your community, with in some ways training you for life here on earth and life afterwards, but you don't trust them with your, your, your money? Isn't that odd? I find that to be incredibly inconsistent. And I often tell people, don't go to a church that you're not willing to donate to. Why would you trust a place with your spiritual well-being, but you wouldn't trust them with your finances? Going back to Jesus, and in this story, in verse 4, he says this to the, uh, to, to the individual who he's with, and he says that all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. You see, I believe that many of us, many of us, don't fully understand what it's like, and I'm included, to be in a situation like the widow is, where all you have is two little copper coins. And then you give those coins to God. You see, most of us, when we give, we just give out of our excess. We give out of our excess. And oftentimes, I know, especially among younger people, who do not give in any way until they have excess. Versus trusting God in your life with the first fruits of what you have. You see, this leads me to my second point that I think is very important that the widow demonstrates so strongly is that giving teaches us to be dependent on God. Giving teaches us to be dependent on God. Giving out of our excess is not generosity at all. You see, so often we associate generosity with the sum that is given rather than the sacrifice that is being had. You see, and I think in some ways that any time that we give, it needs to feel like a form of sacrifice. Jeremy Taylor, the great writer from Britain, writes this, he who gives what he would as readily throw away, gives without generosity, for the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. The essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. You see, when we give only out of our excess, there is no self-sacrifice. There is no sense of us giving on to the Lord out of something that costs from ourselves. And you might ask yourself, well, why does that matter? 
why do I need to feel a sense of sacrifice when I give? Well, because giving is not just limited to monetary resources. There are many times in our lives where God, I believe, calls us to give. You know, one story I remember was when I was in seminary school, I was writing a paper. And my professor had challenged me that semester to realize that I might get an A in his class, but I might get a C in life. And to make sure that I'm comfortable with living with those differences. And what he was saying is, is that you might do well in succeeding in this class, but the goal is is to not just get a good grade. The goal is to become a better pastor, a better Christian, a better man, a better woman. So I remember one day I was trying to write a paper and finish up on a paper. In fact, Roger, I think it was I was writing a, a paper on, on the book that you wrote. <laughs> and uh, I wrote this paper, and um, it was on 20th century theology. And I remember I needed probably another hour or two left on this paper. And I get a call from one of my friends. The weather's really rough outside. And there's a snowstorm. And he literally got pushed off the side of the road. And he calls me and he asks me if I could help him. He's not too far away from where I'm at. And I have a Jeep Wrangler, so I know that I can help him. And I think to myself, and I hesitate in that moment because I realize that in helping him, I'm not going to be able to finish this paper the way that I would like. So I go and I decide to help him out at the sacrifice of that paper. And I go and I pull him out of his ditch and everything is well. I go to the professor the next day and I said, well... I took your advice seriously. Maybe you'll show mercy on this. <laughs> and I handed in my paper. <laughs> he didn't show mercy. <laughs> but the point there is, is that there was a sense of sacrifice in that moment, right? Small sacrifice, but sacrifice nonetheless. And that's the kind of sacrifice that I think God is calling us to. I think God is calling us to realize that in order to be generous people, we need to feel those sacrifices in life. Not because God wants us to feel the pressure of his thumb on our lives, but because that's what it means to truly be generous. You see, I think the world is very used to people giving out of their excess. But how much more is it a testimony to Christian love when we sacrifice ourselves for the love and sake of others? Think about that. Think about how much of a difference that could make. You know, so often I think we limit what generosity looks like. And for those of you that have been raised in the church, maybe what you have heard is generosity looks like giving your tithe. Now, I think that is a really good thing and a good principle to try to see where you're at in life. But oftentimes, I think Jesus not only 
looks at those things and says, yeah, that's a great principle. But for some of you, it's not enough. And look, my goal today isn't to try to increase your own giving in this church. That's not my goal. My goal is to just make you faithful to God's word. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that we should not limit our gifts to a certain value. Because if we do, then we miss the purpose of giving, which Jesus is trying to highlight through this widow. And that is the dependency that we put on in God. And ultimately, in this point three that I'd like to make, is that by being generous, right, we get to resemble God. And point three says it this way. Be generous because God is generous. Be generous because God is generous. Now, don't let this be lost on you, but we know God is generous because he gave us his son. He came into this world and he sacrificed what he had in heaven to do what? To live a lowly life on this earth for our sakes. So you see, generosity is at the heart of God. And in very many ways, we can't grow in our faith unless we understand what it means to be generous people. So if you are wondering what you're missing in your life, generosity could be a part of it. That concept of being a kind of person who is a giving person. You see, one of the things that I believe God wants us to give is ourselves, but he also wants to, us to give ourselves for the mission of his church. You know, it's very easy for us to give our money to things that we like, to entertainment, to that baseball game that we enjoy, or that football game, or whatever it is, that vacation that we're going to enjoy. And I'm not saying that those are bad things. Those are very good things. But in your hearts, do you see it as a good thing to be able to fund the mission of the church? I hope that that video today that we showed earlier from Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child reminded you of what giving looks like and how you can have a, a major impact in somebody's life by just caring enough to give to others. And that is what I believe God wants us to embody. How can we look like God if we are never generous when at the heart of God, he bleeds sacrificial generosity? If you want to look more like God, if you want to better embody who God is, then be generous. Be giving people. Amen? I know that is not always easy, but know this, that there is a promise that God gives when it comes to giving. And that comes out of Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25, which we read during our scripture reading time. I'm gonna read specifically 25. The generous man will be prosperous 
and he who waters will himself be watered. You know, sometimes I honestly think that God holds back blessings in our lives because he knows that if we were to receive them in the wrong timing, that we would turn away from him. Sometimes I think that God keeps us with less, not because he doesn't want to give us more, but because he knows that if we have more, we'll betray our attention on him. There's something in life about going through moments where we suffer that cause us to grow in our dependence on God. You see, I believe the widow was in a situation like that, where when she gave all her livelihood to God in that moment, she was trusting God in faith that the Lord would provide for her. Now, I want to be careful here because what I don't want you to hear is that if you give more, then that means you'll get that nice car that you like or that nice house that you like. I am not saying that at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, is that we need to examine ourselves and we need to think about at times in our lives what we're holding back on. Is there something in your heart that you ultimately have not given away to God? Maybe you aren't experiencing the fullness of his blessings because you are holding on to that thing. I believe that God likes to bless those who be a blessing to others. And scripture shows us of this much, that those who water will themselves be watered. It's an amazing cycle that you get to be generous and in turn God gets to be generous with you. Because you see, as much as God desires for you to sacrifice, you can never outgive God. And God will always win when it comes to blessing you. Amen? So today, as we reflect on this last value of what it means to give, I want you to take the time to think about what are the things that you have held back on your life. Maybe those things have nothing to do with money. Maybe when you give, you only give out of excess. You only help people when you have all the extra time in the world. You only help people when you have the bank account in the right direction. You're withholding being a blessing until you make it well, you make it rich one day and you get well off. Then I'll start being generous. Generosity is something that starts now. It starts now and it only continues to grow. Here could be a challenge for you. That if you have not given your time to the church or to the mission of God, that you take time this week. Maybe you sign up for one of our our, our, our volunteer options that we have in the church. Or if you've never given to the church, that maybe you do that today. I don't, it doesn't matter the amount. That's between you and God. Whatever looks like cheerful, sacrificial giving to you. And you start creating a rhythm for yourself of being the kind of person 
that is a giving person. Maybe you have a skill that you've been holding back on, that you only apply to your own needs in life when there's a community of people here that could benefit from that. Figure out how you can be a blessing to other people, just as God is a blessing to us. And I believe that in doing that, you will tie yourself closer to the heart and the image of God, that through your generosity, you will embody his image all the more. And you'll feel the blessings of what it means to give. I know it. Because I experience it in my own life. I'm obviously not a wealthy man, but I make it a point as best as I can to give sacrificially. And I believe that God is calling us all to do that ourselves because it doesn't matter whether we're wealthy or not as Jesus showed us. It just matters that we give rightly with our hearts. Let's pray.